Hi friends, this is W speaking to you from the future. I wanted to add a brief disclaimer to older episodes. So here is the disclaimer. My spirituality has matured and grown over the course of this podcast, and it will continue to grow and mature. Therefore, there may be some rituals, concepts, or topics that I discuss in these early episodes that I might not personally follow or endorse any longer. If you do want a glimpse at what I personally believe now and what I learned in this first year of podcasting, check out a series of episodes called Reflections that came out at the end of 2022. However, despite my uneasiness about some of my past content, I've decided to still keep all of my old episodes up, because while they may not mesh with my current point of view any longer, from an educational standpoint, I think these topics are still interesting, even if it's just for entertainment or for general knowledge. No matter if they mesh with my own POV now, these are concepts and things that exist. So... I still think from an entertainment and an educational standpoint, they're fun, interesting concepts, as long as we approach them with discernment. Regardless, I hope you do enjoy this episode, and I invite you to listen to my reflection series to see where this path ultimately led me. God bless you. Hey listeners, today's episode is on the three magi, also called the three kings or the three wise men, and we open up with the story that we all know. Uh, their trek across the desert to greet the baby Jesus. But we also talk about the story of an exhausted knight who collapses and is healed by the magic of the three magi. And from there, we talk about how to work with the three magi. And don't think that the three magi are just a holiday group or a winter group to work with. Uh, We get into protection work. We get into even domination work, how to dominate your enemies using the three magi. So we have a lot of fun in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening. The stars shone, but not in the way you're familiar with. Instead, it was as if God herself poked tiny holes in the dark blanket of the sky so that specks of divine light shone through, taking on the disguise of stars. The three men rode side by side in perfect silence as the breath from their camels ascended like tendrils of smoke from a docile dragon. The largest star, the star of the north, shimmered in the sky, speaking unto them like the burning bush spoke to Moses. Closer, closer, the star whispered, and closer and closer they trekked. They would occasionally break for sleep. Covering their camels and blankets, they gazed into a fire for warmth, meditating on the news of the future, on what this premonition means for all souls, the souls walking the earth, the souls yet to be born, and all of the poor souls trapped and chained in the underworld. And after days of travel, the final stretch was finally here. The dunes turned into dirt roads, the expansive desert turned into a small village. And between homes, nearly on top of one another, rested their destination. Tying their camels, the men slowly approached with heads bowed. 
walking to the doors and into the courtyard while the tiny pinholes of stars still shone through. They approached a mother and a father crouched over a small manger as a baby slept peacefully inside. And wordlessly, they presented three gifts. Gold, to represent the child's royalty and kingsmanship of this earth. Frankincense, to represent this child's divinity and that he will one day be worshipped and adored. And myrrh, to represent the child's humanity, that he will live and impact the world, but also die to free our souls. And the men knelt, and thousands of years later we still kneel before this same child. And many centuries later, an army of knights journeyed to defend their king in battle. Lost in the wilderness of a strange land, a young knight fell to the ground out of exhaustion, and he crawled towards a tree for comfort. Fading in and out of consciousness, the army's healer approached the young knight, and the army's healer was carrying bundles and bundles of red ribbon. The healer tied the ribbon tightly around the legs of the fallen knight. And if you look closely on the ribbon, you can see an emblem, an inscription, and the initials of the three magi. The healer said a prayer, which ended with the words, and may the three magi give you the strength to continue your journey, before splashing the knight's face with an elixir of wine, rue, and holy water. The healer then helped the young knight to his feet, who now re-energized, sprinted ahead to catch up with the rest of his brethren. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W, and today we are talking about the three magi, also called the three wise men. And that bothers me, and let me tell you why. Because the transition from the three magi to the three wise men just showcases our dissension from the magical and the mystical to the practical and to the material, right? Because spirituality is rooted in magic, in wonder, and there's so much beauty in that. But today, it's all about practicality. Now, studying and use of scripture is important, but no words can define God, no words can define magic, and no words can define the things that are otherworldly. And I have no doubt that these men were wise, but let's call them what they were. They were magicians, they were sorcerers, they were mystics. So I'm excited <laughs> to talk about the three magi today because it goes back, it calls back to our roots, um, our spiritual roots, which are so deeply, 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 deeply ingrained in magic. So now that I got my dramatic intro out of the way, let's jump in. Uh, the three magi are actually saints. I did not know that. Um, they each have their own specific feast day, all three of them. However, they're most commonly venerated upon and called to as a group, as a team, and they also have their own feast day, which is the Feast of the Epiphany. 
And that is a very, very magical day. And we're going to get into that a lot. It's very similar to the Lucy episode, which was our last episode where I talked about how there's plenty of ways to work with Lucy, but a lot of the magic has to do with um, her feast day because there's a solstice tie-in. Similar to the Magi, there's a lot of work um, that centers around their feast day. So they're most commonly used for protection work, also to help find lost items, kind of similar to Anthony, kind of kind of getting in his lane a little bit, um, but they're also called upon for um, anyone who does astrology. They will protect you and guide you um, in that path. And we're gonna talk about astrology very briefly as well here shortly. So about the Magi, uh, the Bible is very brief and succinct. Here's what the Bible says. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star as it's rising and have come to pay him homage. And that's it. That's all. Uh, there is more in there a little bit. They do offer him frankincense, gold, and myrrh. And the background there is that King Herod saw their presence. Uh, they, he stopped them or his guards stopped them. They asked why they were there. And they told King Herod that they were looking for this new king of the Jews. And Herod basically said, well, when you find him, come back to me and let me know where he is. However, uh, the three wise men did have a premonition that this was bad news. So they fled after they presented the gifts to baby Jesus. And the rest is really all just folklore and conjecture from there. But there are some really cool theories and beliefs surrounding the three magi. And I think one of the most compelling about at least who they were and a little about their background was that magi were actually a class of people, a group of people in Persia. Um, and these were people that practiced really specific magical arts and indigenous Iranian spiritual practices. And these people, this class of people, their magic all centered around astrology. So you have the name tie-in, the three magi, there really were people called the magi. Uh, but then also the fact that they're portrayed as following a literal star. But if these people were master astrologers, it's very likely that they used astrological maps, horoscopes, and birth charts, and other charts to find the baby Jesus. So I really like that as well because if any Christians say that, you know, astrology is evil and bad, there you go. It wasn't too evil for Jesus. And actually in the medieval times, that was probably past the medieval times, starting in the medieval times, um, that was kind of the workaround, right? Like it was, you know, astrology wasn't that bad because that's how the three, the three wise men found Jesus. Um, and then the astrologers of that time would say that they are actually calling upon the three wise men to help them in their astrology. And they would do that sometimes by putting the initials of the three wise men on any charts or work they were doing. And we're gonna get into the initials of the wise men later because that's really important. Um, most Christians though do venerate the, the three wise men or the three magi. Um, I believe the Jehovah Witnesses do not because they said that um, their arrival tipped off King Herod. Um, and then of course, you know, astrology is evil, etc., etc. Uh, but yeah, it's really interesting because these magi people, they're per the Persian class of magi, they used astrology and the three wise men, the three magi, did find Jesus through astrology. Um, however, as Christianity began to grow, the magical aspects of the magi were downplayed. Um, and then that's when they just started calling them the three wise men or the three kings. And I think 
Three Kings is probably more ingrained in pop culture. I know in English, at least in the United States, I think the term wise men is more common. But if you look at representation in music, like in Christmas carols, it's usually three kings. And I think I was taught that they were three kings. And the, the legend that I believe I grew up with was that the three kings represented three lands. So Africa, Europe, and Asia um, is what I believe. So that's very common. However, another interesting piece of scholarship from a scholarly article I read. See guys, I'm doing the, I'm doing the hard reading for you guys. Uh, but it was also included in a book called A Book of the Magi, and I'll give my sources. They pose a really interesting um, belief in who the three magi were, and they actually said that the three magi represented the three major religions of the time. So Zoroastrianism, Paganism, and Judaism. And now the next part was not mentioned in the article or the book. This is just me speaking from me, but this is really interesting because it beckons back a little bit to the mindset of religion in early Christianity. It actually was not early Christianity. It was more Second Temple Judaism. So this is a rabbit hole. I'm going to jump in the rabbit hole real quick, come right out. However, uh, this is interesting to me because it showcases the beliefs of the time. And there's this misconception that early Christians only believed in one God, and that's not true. They believed that Yahweh was the God of all gods. Um, therefore, the three magi coming to venerate baby Jesus wasn't necessarily a symbol that these religions were false, or even that these three religious people were admitting defeat or converting to whatever, I guess, Christianity, um, early Christianity. This is actually a symbol that the God of gods, Yahweh, sent his son who will now defeat the evil demons that are bringing souls and trapping souls into hell. So that's another rabbit hole. We often talk that Jesus went to hell after he died. Why? And the early beliefs were that he went down to hell to literally defeat Satan, which is super mythological sounding, but to me, it actually makes sense with the plot line of the Bible. Um, so these three religions coming together wasn't about dominating other beliefs. It was actually a way of three beliefs coming together and saying, we are glad Jesus is coming because what he is going to do by banishing evil demons and evil spirits is going to help everyone. So. I like the three religions coming together, not because it's like domination that Jesus is now the only true religion, because that's not what people believed back then. I like this because it's almost like these three religions are saying, yeah, we're happy that the God of God sent his son because his son is going to go into hell and remove all of the evil demons that are taking everyone down into the underworld. And I know that theory can be flimsy because you would have to take into consideration that all of those three religions, Zoroastrianism, Judaism, Paganism, would have to share similar beliefs about the afterlife as well as God, demons, as well as understand the prophecy of a Christ figure going down to destroy Satan or tear down the wall of Hades. I get it. It's not super strong. However, where I am right now, I've been researching a lot of Orthodox Christianity and Coptic Christianity, which really tells this unique theory of atonement that I think the Catholic Church moved away from kind of prematurely. So 
rabbit hole amongst rabbit holes, uh, but I just like this theory of various religions coming together because I do think that early spirituality was not about being right, it was about being sincere. Anyway, let's get back on track and talk about how to work with the Magi and a little bit more about them. So really quickly, let's talk about the three gifts. Gold, of course, royalty. Christ was the king of kings. Frankincense stood for worship. Uh, frankincense was burnt often at various temples, whether that was Judaism or paganism. Frankincense was a major way to worship the divine and venerate the divine, still is today. And myrrh actually stands for death because uh, it, it is used in embalming rituals. However, it's also a healing herb as well. And all three of these actually are practical gifts. Gold, Mary and Joseph could use gold. I mean, they're, they're sleeping in a manger. Uh, they, and they're about to uh, be on the lamb running away from King Herod. So they could use the gold. Um, frankincense, they were living in a barn. So that would come in handy. And then myrrh, like I said, it's used in embalming rituals, but it's actually a medicinal herb and it was common to be used in infants because it combated some common illnesses that babies would have. And the three wise men, so who were they? Uh, we kind of talked about the various origin stories, uh, the Persian class of Magi, um, or it could have been three people representing three religions or three kings from three areas. However, they do have names. They all have their own stories. In the Roman Catholic Church, they are all um, sainted. They all have their own feast day. So commonly, now the, their names will differ based on where you are in the world, but the Western Church would call them Balthasar, Melichor, and Caspar or Casper. And their feast day is what we call the Epiphany. Now, they each have their own feast days, uh, but the main three Magi as a team, their feast day is called the Epiphany, which is the day when they visited baby Jesus, and that day is specifically filled with magic and lore, and we're going to jump into that in this episode. A few more facts, and then we're going to jump into patronages and uses. Um, appearances. So Balthazar is usually depicted as African, and he's the one that usually looks the most kingly or the most regal, and he is traditionally depicted as presenting myrrh. Melichor is often depicted as the oldest, and he has a long white beard. He is depicted as bringing gold. And then Casper is, brought, is the one who brought frankincense, and he's often depicted as the youngest, either with no beard or a short black or brown beard. Sometimes you're going to switch those up. I've seen Balthazar presenting gold, Melichor presenting myrrh. Usually Casper's still stuck with the incense. Um, a few fun facts. Uh, the Eastern Orthodox belief is that each of them were actually martyred for not telling King Herod where baby Jesus was. So eventually, like years later, they were found and killed. Um, I believe also there's relics in some Eastern churches. And a really cool fact I like is the fact that they knelt in front of the manger. Um, they were kneeling in front of royalty, and that is one of the reasons why we still kneel um, before royalty, but also before Christ in church, which I think is interesting. I'm not sure how historically accurate that is, uh, but that is something that I have heard from lore and tradition. 
All right, let's jump into their patronages and their offerings. So they are the patron saints of travelers and astrologers. Like I said before, um, astrology was seen as the dark arts back in the day. However, the loophole for many Christian astrologers was, well, we're working with the three magi or the three wise men. Um, and just like we talked about last episode with Lucy being your protector and ally for any divination, tarot, you name it, uh, same can be said here. So if you are doing any astrology, it might be good to have the three wise men on your side, right? You are looking for some answers in astrology, just like the three magi were looking for the baby Jesus using astrology. Said a few times now, their feast day is January 6th, which is the feast of the Epiphany. Um, that day in some Spanish-speaking countries is also called the Day of the Kings, and some families will also give gifts on that day. Um, and the kids actually put out grass or hay for the camels on that night. So offerings, as I just said, a common offering, not just for uh, their feast day, but also when doing any kind of work with them, is putting out something for their camels, whether that's water and hay, grass, camel food, whatever that is. And uh, the most common, though, is probably recreating their gifts. So frankincense, um, myrrh resin, and then gold beads or gold coins, putting that on the altar. Another common way to venerate the saints as well as give them an offering is making a king cake. And usually you would make this and eat this on Epiphany. Um, it is part of a larger King's Day feast or Epiphany feast. Now, I grew up in the New Orleans, Louisiana area, grew up eating king cake, and I never once made that connection until doing this research. I knew that the baby inside the cake stood for baby Jesus, but I never put king cake and baby finding baby. I never put two and two together, but it makes sense now. So if you're unfamiliar, during the Mardi Gras season in Louisiana and the whole Gulf Coast and anywhere else that like kind of celebrates Mardi Gras, um, it is common to eat a king cake to make a king cake. Most of the time they're store-bought now. Um, during the Mardi Gras season, and I'm assuming because the Epiphany is usually in January, Mardi Gras is usually um, in February, March, it changes. So it would make sense to, to eat a king cake around that time. And if you do get the little plastic baby Jesus inside, you are said to have to host the next Epiphany Feast. Modern times, at least in the Mardi Gras season or Mardi Gras area, if you find the uh, the baby Jesus, you have to just buy the next king cake, which is, a, I guess, an evolution from, you don't gotta throw a whole feast, now you just gotta buy the next king cake. So king cake can be used as an offering, but also it's good, it's delicious, and it can be eaten during the Epiphany. All right, now the moment you've all been waiting for, which is how to work with the Magi. So, as I've said numerous times, the most magical day to work with them is the Feast of the Epiphany, which is January 6th. Now, in some European countries, um, that day, January 6th, also corresponds to when witches and spirits are the most active. Why, I am not sure. Um, I do know, like we've mentioned in the last Lucy episode, the winter solstice and the former winter solstice are in um, early December or late December, so I'm not sure where the uh, the spirit witch tie-in comes from. Um, but that is said to be 
the time in many European countries where the witches and spirits are most active. So therefore it's said that since it's also on the feast day, you can use magic against magic. You can use the magi to protect your home. And of course, as I've said dozens of times on this podcast, when I hear protection against witchcraft um, or protection against demonic energy, of course, yeah, sure, you, that could be um, literal pointy hat witches and literal demons, but it's any negative energy that's coming your way. So it's also protecting you against a negative coworker that might have side-eyed you or just a traumatic or stressful situation. So when you hear about protection work, it's, it's more than just witches and demons. You can kind of read that into any kind of negative energy. Um, of course, it could be a real witch or a real demon, so you're covered. But fortunately, you're also covered against any kind of negativity as well. So January 6th is the time to really bulk up all of your protection using the Magi to protect yourself and your home. And a common way to protect your home is the use of blessed chalk. Now, this is a common ritual in the Catholic Church, uh, is the blessing of chalk on the Epiphany. So, they're going to say it's a, it's a home blessing. They're not going to say it's a protection against evil or protection against witches, but um, using blessed chalk to bless your home is pretty common. Now, I have I have not seen this in my neck of the woods. I live in the southern United States, uh, but I, I am pretty sure this started as a Scottish custom, as but it's also used in Germany and some of the surrounding countries, and those immigrants brought it to the United States. So some of you might be super familiar with this blessing of the chalk. I, for one, was not. I've never heard of anyone doing it, at least where I'm currently living. Basically, a priest will either bless chalk on the Epiphany during Mass and hand it out um, for home blessings at the end, or the priest will make himself available during that day so you can come and get blessed chalk. Uh, I guess, thirdly, you could always just have your own chalk and ask the priest to bless it on the Epiphany during Mass. And lastly, you can just bless it yourself um, I've spoken about blessing your own oil, blessing your own holy water, and a few other things on this podcast, and chalk is no different. And as a reminder, you can bless anything on your own if you care about, you know, what the church says or not. But what the church does say is you can bless anything on your own. The caveat is just you have to bless it in the name of God. You can't say the blessing comes from yourself. And Catholic canon again if you care about it cool if you don't cool as well catholic canon though catholic teaching would say that you can also bless anything as long as it's not a sacrament and chalk or home blessing is, is not a sacrament you could also argue you own both of those things you have dominion over them however um, like i said we've gone over ways to use psalm 23 to bless things chalk is no different but if you do a quick google search of catholic chalk blessing it gives you the blessing. It's a super quick prayer. And since the prayer does mention the three wise men, I will go ahead and read it because it's really short. Bless, O Lord God, this creature chalk to render it helpful to men. Grant that they who use it in faith and with it inscribe upon the entrance of their homes the names of thy saints, Caspar, Melchor, and Balthazar, may through their merits and intercession enjoy health of body and protection and of soul. Through Christ our Lord, amen. So basically, it's a really short, simple prayer. You can find it online. But you are asking Casper, Melchor, and Balthazar, the three wise men, to bless your home with the chalk. 
So now you have your blessed chalk, whether you went to the church to get it, whether you asked a priest to do it, or whether you did the prayer I just read on your own, you got it now. So what's next? Um, this is what you write. So it can be above your door, it can be on the door, it can be on the side of the door, but you're going to take your chalk and you are going to first write the first two letters of the year. So let's say it's 2022, you would write 20, then the letters CMB, and then the rest of the year 22. So if we were doing this in the year 2022, it would be 20 CMB 22. Now, CMB stands for two things. It's the initials of the wise men, right? Casper, Melichor, and Balthazar. But also it is a Latin phrase, Christ blesses the world, Christus manum benedicat. Um, I've heard that means Christ blesses the world, but also it could mean bless the home as well. So, but it's CMB, Christ blesses the world, Christus manum benedicat. So variations of that. So over the door, writing this over the door is kind of a callback to the Pentecost when you put the blood over the doorway. Um, but it's also said that you could write the year CMB symbol. You could write it um, in holy water. You could write it in blood if you wanted to. Uh, or you could just write this on a card and place it above your door. And the sources I use say you write it on a holy card and what does that mean? I don't know. That's up for your interpretation. So have fun with that. That could be, to me, that could be a card that has a Jesus on it. It could be a card that has a saint on it, a card that has an image of the three wise men, or it might even be something that's a little more personal to you. Maybe it is a, um, a flyer from your church or um, a card that you keep on your altar for sigil work, uh, but you can write it on that piece of paper, that card, and put it that on your door as well. And that chalk can be used in other ways. Um, I've seen it a lot used in various forms of grimoire magic. So Solomonic magic, uh, where you draw a lot of protective seals. Um, same with the Book of Moses grimoires. I believe it's called the sixth and seventh Book of Moses. There's a lot of drawing of seals, so people will say draw it with um, the blessed chalk, especially in the sixth and seventh book of Moses. They do have some rituals that call upon the three wise men. That's ceremonial magic, and that's like super detailed, super in-depth, so I'm, I'm not gonna go through that because first off, audio describing long ceremonial magic rituals is not gonna do it justice, and secondly, trying to keep all the stuff in this episode uh, practical things you can use. But point is, is that Solomonic magic and Grimwarric magic have a lot of protective seals that you write. And feel free to use this Epiphany Blessed Chalk for that, or just sigil work, uh, which is, is also a really great thing you can do, whether that's on the concrete outside of your driveway. Or um, I know some people have a chalk paint or chalkboard on their altar. You can use it um, during those rituals as well. And another common way to work with the wise men is through protection, specifically protection while traveling. Um, the story we opened up with talks about a medieval practice of using red ribbon to protect against exhaustion when traveling by foot. And this was a real medieval practice during that time. So essentially what you would do then was you would take um, two pieces of red ribbon. So when you were, let's say you were about to go travel, you're about to go through a long journey, a long 
hike, a long trek through the mountains, you would take two pieces of red ribbon, tie them above your knees, and on that red ribbon, you would write either the initials of the wise men, so C and B, or write out their names completely, Casper, Melichor, Balthazar. Um, and you would have crosses separating um, the letters or the names. So C cross, M cross, B cross, or Casper cross, Melichor cross, Balthazar. Um, so once you do that, you would drink white wine with anise seed um, and or rub your feet with olive oil and rue, either while you were doing this or instead of the, um, the white wine mixture. So that I'm not sure how often that is used in any current folk magic or folk medicine practice, but a more modern use would be to use a red or white ribbon with the CMB or the names on it and put that in your bag or a pocket for any kind of safe journey, whether that's by foot, by car, by plane, by train, by submarine, you name it. Um, so that's a more modern use. And another interesting medieval protection charm is actually this verbal charm that came from Pope Leo I, also called Leo the Great, and it said that an angel actually appeared to the Pope and told him this protective charm. So it goes, Casper with his myrrh began these presents to unfold. Then Melichor brought in frankincense, and Balthazar brought in gold. Now he that of these holy kings the name shall bear, the falling ill by grace of Christ shall never need to fear. So it is said that you use this charm, you write it down, you stick it in your pocket, or you just recite it. And um, this was done by many medieval knights as well as kings. It said King Charles would do this during battle. And the angel also told Pope Leo that write this or wear this or say this charm and also say three paternosters, which is our fathers, three aves, Hail Marys, and one creed every day. And I quote, shall not, you shall not be overcome by enemies, either bodily or ghostly, neither shall you be robbed or slain of thieves, pestilence, thunder, or lightning. Neither shall be hurt with fire or water, nor cumbered with spirits, neither shall he have displeasure of lords or ladies. He shall not be condemned with false witnesses, nor taken with fairies, or any manners of axes, nor yet with the falling of evil." So fun little verbal charm there. Uh, I think I'll just stick with my, uh, my St. Christopher medal, but really interesting medieval practice there. And especially since it came from an angel, you don't get a lot of um, of prayers and charms that come directly from the divine. I think you have St. Michael prayer. I think that came from a vision as well. So it was interesting because I wouldn't have expected an angel to speak to a pope and tell him to uh, pray or take it up with the three magi, which is really cool. All right, now let's give another more practical work to do. So the magi are best known, of course, for finding baby Jesus, so they are said to really help you find what is lost, and that could be lost people, lost animals, lost goods. So what you are supposed to do is you are supposed to inscribe their names, so Balthazar, Casper, and Melichor, into a flat beeswax tablet, and then you place the wax beneath your pillow and you go to sleep. So you're now supposed to pay really close attention to your dreams, you might want to keep a dream journal 
on your nightstand, and the Magi may reveal locations either explicitly or give hints at the location, or who may have stole something from you as well. So, beeswax tablet, write the names of the Magi, put it under your pillow, and you can divine where the lost thing is or divine who took it from you. Probably my favorite spell or work in this episode has to do with domination work, or I guess you could consider this a hex or a curse as well. And it's a very modern, current thing. People still do this type of work, so I'm excited to talk about it because a lot of working with the Three Wise Men, Three Magi, it either has its roots in high ceremonial magic, which there are rituals and initiations involved, or its solutions that were very medieval. It seems like a lot of this work happened in medieval times. So, you know, safe travels for when you are going to fetch water from the nearby village, like things like that. You don't really need it as much anymore. But domination work, this curse hexing work I'm about to talk about, has its basis in hoodoo, and it's still widely used in folk magic. So, as we've discussed, a lot of folk magic centers around psalm work. And there is a specific psalm that discusses how kings from faraway places will bear gifts to God. And that is Psalm 72 verses 10 through 11. So that psalm work is often paired with the three magi for domination work, but also healing work, also protection work. But in this case, domination work. And this is called the all kings will bow down spell. All right, so what you do is you are going to take an image of your target turn it upside down and cross it with the names of the three wise men, written 12 times. Now you sprinkle dirt from a nativity scene, especially from where the kings are kneeling, the wise men are kneeling, you sprinkle it over the image. And now you're going to cover it with a king of spades playing card face down. Now separately you're going to take either a image of the three kings where you can see the north star in it, or alternatively, you can use the Star of Tarot card. And you are going to place that card up against a pillar candle. So a Novena candle or just a plain pillar candle. All right, so to recap, you have the image, a picture of your target upside down. It is crossed with the names of the three kings written 12 times, and it is covered with dirt from the nativity scene. And on top of that, image of your target with the dirt, you are going to place a King of Spades card face down. So sandwiched, so you have a, a nativity dirt sandwich now, right? You have the upside down image of your target with the names written, nativity dirt, and then a King of Spades playing card sandwiched in between. And then you have a pillar candle or a seven day candle, and then you have an image or of the three wise men with the North Star in the back or the Star Tarot card. Now you are going to dress the candle. We've talked about dressing candles in our two intro episodes, our intro to saint work and our uh, folk magic and saint magic essentials. You're going to dress the candle with what is called domination oil. You can find that online. You can find it at a lot of botanicas. And you're also going to dress it with frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Um, you can be creative with that. They do have myrrh resin. They do have a lot of incense, frankincense, incense, it's an oxymoron. They have a lot of frankincense sticks and gold, gold leaf, um, gold coins, whatever it be. Put it in the candle and dress it. All right, so now you take your dressed candle and you place it over your nativity scene dirt sandwich, right? So the image of the target, nativity dirt, king of spades playing card. 
put that dress candle on top of it and prop that star tarot card or the image of the three wise men against the pillar candle. All right, so now, now here's where it gets a little spooky, a little cool. I like this part. So now you're going to take the remaining king cards from a playing deck. So you have the spades, so you'll have the diamonds, the hearts, and clubs. So you're going to set out all of those three king cards face up. Now you're going to take white candles, white chime candles, and put them on top of the three king playing cards. It's also said you can anoint these candles with three kings oil, which we will be talking about towards the end of the episode on how to make your own. Uh, you don't have to dress these, but if you do have three kings oil, um, or you have any leftover frankincense, myrrh, and gold, you can also dress these chime candles, but it's not necessary. So three king playing cards, white chime candles on top, light all of the chime candles so they are burning. So to recap everything, right now, if you're looking at your altar, you will have your pillar or seven day candle that is dressed and it is on top of a picture of your target, Nativity Dirt, and the King of Spades card. And resting against the pillar candle is either the Star Tarot card or an image of the three wise men. And then on the side in front, wherever, you have three King playing cards, the Hearts, Club, and Diamonds. On top of them are white chime candles and you light them all. And now you are going to pray Psalm 72, 10 through 13. And after you're done doing that, you are going to bow the candles by putting them out upside down, intoning each name as you do. So this is very excommunication ceremony, right? So you'll take the first candle and you'll say Balthazar, then you'll turn it upside down and slam it onto the card so it goes out. Casper, slam it upside down. And then um, Melichor, take it, slam it upside down. And then once the pillar candle is done burning, you are going to take the that image of the target, the one that was covered in nativity dirt. You are then going to put it in your shoe and step on them as you move forward. So it's a little shoe magic, a little hot foot magic. You're putting the target's image in your shoe, stepping on them, dominating them. And personally, that's my favorite work that we're going to go over in this episode. Uh, it's just so cool. You you hear about graveyard dirt, you hear about crossroads dirt. You don't hear a lot about nativity scene dirt, so I just think that's really awesome. Um, and I, have, I haven't talked about a shoe magic yet in this podcast, but that is a very common way to dominate your enemies is by putting them in your shoe. So that has a little bit of everything, and I really like the turning the candle upside down and slamming it. Um, it just feels really cool. So I hope you enjoy that one, and I hope you um, you use it this holiday season when you need to um, do any hexing or domination work, as one does. If you are curious about how to make your own Three Kings oil, I do recommend you support your local hoodoo shops, your local botanicas, your local spiritual workers. A lot of them make their own, and if you do not have any near you, go on Etsy find people you like on Instagram that might make them, use theirs. But if you do want to make your own, it's pretty simple. On Epiphany, so on January 6th, you are going to add gold, frankincense, and myrrh to olive oil or sweet almond oil. Um, gold, gold leaf, frankincense, um, they do have that in liquid form you can find as well as myrrh. And then you're going to consecrate it 
In our protection Psalms episode, we go over how to sanctify oil using Psalm 23. If you don't feel like going back and listening, it's very simple. Basically, you just get really close to the oil and you pray Psalm 23 very closely so your breath moves the oil and you do that for nine days until it's done and then you put it in a, a bottle to use. So you can do that. However, there is also the Roman rite of oil blessing that you can easily find online. Personally, what I do, I do bless my own holy water, I bless my own salt, and I bless my own oil. What I have done is I have gone and found the Roman rite for all of these blessings, but I've changed the words. So I am not blessing it myself, I'm asking God to do it. And actually, you don't need to edit that much. Most of it is saying, I call upon God to um, to bless this. But for the, um, the Roman oil blessing, there are times where it says, God's creature oil, I cast out the demon from you, where you're going to want to say, God's creature oil, may God cast out the demon, you know, little things like that. Um, so either way, if you want to use the Psalm 23 sanctification spell ritual that I talk about in the protected episode, or if you want to use the Roman ritual, you can find it easily online. So to recap, it's simply on the Feast of the Epiphany, add gold, frankincense, and myrrh to olive oil or sweet almond oil and consecrate through whatever, through the Psalm 23 blessing or through the Roman ritual. There's also the concept of three kings water, which is said to have even more mystical properties than your regular holy water. And I've, I've seen two variations of this, kind of two definitions. One, it is simply holy water that has been blessed three times. And one of those times is on the Epiphany. So maybe you blessed it once yourself, and then you had a priest bless it another time, and then you waited a little bit and brought it back to the priest for blessing so he doesn't know. Something like that. However, I've also seen on the Epiphany, you take your holy water from the church, and then you take it to a crossroads, bless it there on your own. So either using the Roman ritual or using whatever holy water custom or blessing you usually use, that psalm blessing I keep talking about, you can use that on holy water too. And then you take it home and you bless it a third time. So the first time is the priest doing it, the second time you do it at a crossroads, and the third time you do it in your own home. And this is just a way to have, I guess, extra strength holy water. I'm not sure, I don't personally use this, but I do think it's an interesting custom, an interesting way to work with the, uh, the three wise men since you are doing the blessing on the feast day. And probably my second favorite working in this episode is called a bag of adoration. And this is essentially a charm bag or a mojo bag. But when you create it, you kind of have two things going on. One, it's almost like you are giving a gift to Christ again. So you have the protection of, of Jesus, I guess you could say. But also, you are also invoking the three magi. So you're having their power, their protection. And also, it's said that this can almost be your your North Star to point you in the right direction, but it's also the three wise men's North Star to call upon them when you need help. So having this bag, you can more easily call upon them to assist you in whatever trouble you're having. So on Epiphany, so I hope you guys are really free on Epiphany because, whew, holy water, um, three kings oil, it's a lot going on on Epiphany. So. On Epiphany, you're going to take a white silk bag and inside it you'll place gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And as you place them in the bag, you pray the following. You say, as the Magi adored the Christ child, so are these gifts given to the glory of sun, known by the star in the east. Then you invoke and cross Casper, Balthazar, and Melchor. So with your hands, you make, you know, the your traditional priest blessing, right? In the, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But you say Casper, Balthazar, Melchor. Then you tie it shut and you hang three king charms from the knot. And then you smoke it in what's called three king's incense, or you can just have frankincense. Um, and then you also drop some three king's oil onto the bag. And it said, now you have a talismanic representation of the authority of the anointed one, as well as a star to call the Magi. So like I said, you this is the new star, right? This is the new North Star that you can really use to call them forward to help you. Um, so it said that you were supposed to have um, king charms on the drawstring of the bag, various ways you can go about it. Uh, there are crown charms that you can also find elaborately carved little king figurines, uh, but a lot of people I know use a king chess piece charm because they're easy to find, or if it's a larger bag, you might already have a, a king chess piece laying around. And let's end with the crown of the Magi ritual. So you're supposed to take a bath with rosemary and bay, as well as frankincense and myrrh essential oils. And you do this for three days. And then on the third day, you take thread that has been soaked in three king's oil or any other appropriate oil and wrap rosemary stalks and form a wreath. And then you weave in bay leaves, which can bear the three names of the kings on it. And then you wrap it in ribbon of the Magi. So remember the red ribbon or the white ribbon we talked about, which is just the red ribbon with the initials or the names. So then you also wrap that around the wreath. And then you can burn a white or gold candle dressed in three kings oil, and you drip the wax all over the crown, and then you pray Psalm 51. And then you declare, as the three kings ventured by the light of the star in the east for knowledge of the true way, and the king of kings, so too may I wear this crown of the Magi as I search for wisdom. And then it said you wear this crown whether you are studying magic, whether you're doing astrology, or doing any kind of divination to bring you wisdom and to also amplify your magical abilities. It's also said that you can leave this crown at the crossroads as an offering to the three magi, or on your altar, or even given away as a gift. So in summary, uh, it's easy to write off the magi as only an epiphany saint or just a holiday season saint. And of course, there are so many incredible workings you can do around the feast day, the epiphany. And the cool thing is, it's the first week of the new year. So you can start doing things. You can get the three kings water, the chalk, um, the oil. You can make the charm bag. You can do all of that at the beginning of the year and use those supplies, those tools throughout the year. However, there's still a lot of cool things you can do. There's the domination aspect, the domination ritual we talked about with the nativity dirt and the candles. There's also the adoration bag, which yes, you do it on the Feast of the Epiphany. However, so many cool things can come from that because that's said to be your North Star so the Magi can find you and intercede on your behalf with whatever you're going through, which I think is really cool. But most of all, when I think of the Magi, 
I think of respect, reverence, and appreciation because while they might not be a saint you think about year-round, they're very much our ancestors. Not only because they were the first to kneel, but if you consider yourself doing any kind of magical work, they are your ancestors. They represent a time before churches, before doctrine, before humans really interfered with a beautiful, simple belief. Um, we've made spirituality so complex, especially in the West where we are fueled by study and scripture. But this story are three mystics, three sorcerers, three magicians who not only used magic and astrology and magic probably in other ways, but they used that magic to find the Lord and to find ways to venerate him. And I think that's important because right now magic is evolving. A lot of things are being lumped in the magic and witchcraft category and sometimes it can create confusion but a lot of times it can create something very beautiful. So the wise men may seem like saints that you only think about in the winter months and the holiday season but remember these are ancestors of ours. These are magicians, these are sorcerers, these are magic practitioners that use their skills and ability to change the world. So with that being said I'd like to close with a prayer or a blessing of a nativity scene. I was gonna do a three wise men prayer, but I think this will be fun. So here we go. God of every nation and people, as we look upon this nativity scene, we see a family not so unlike our own and not so unlike hundreds of thousands of families all around the world. We see that although this holy family came from poor and humble origins, they were surrounded and supported by people who traveled from distant parts of the world. And we see and remember that Christ enters our own life in hidden and unexpected ways, challenging us to reach across the world to whoever is in need of love and support. God bless all those who gaze upon this nativity scene. As we look at this holy family, let us pray for all families, those we know and those we do not. Those who live on the other side of the world, those who live on the other side of the street, let us recognize and rejoice in the great diversity of the one family of God as we reflect and give thanks for those diverse gifts present in our own family. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I've been your host, W. And sources for this episode include A Book of the Magi by Alexander Cummins, as well as the Encyclopedia of Mystics, Saints, and Sages by Judica Isles. Thank you again for listening. And remember, be like the Magi and bring your gifts to the world. Thank you so much. Until next time.